Okay, welcome to Harvest Baptist Church. This is March 29th, 2020. Actually, it's March 28th, Saturday at 2.30 p.m. We're recording for, uh, in this new virtual church world that we live in, we're recording for Sunday morning. This is our Sunday morning message here from Psalm 51. Uh, but uh, we're in the midst of coronavirus. It's the world pandemic is uh, all over the place, of course, and in Connecticut. And I just uh, want to start off with uh, reminding folks that we did a... Uh, unveiled uh, the pastor's 18-day plan to awake and celebrate the victory starting Wednesday night, three nights ago, four nights ago. And we're 15 days away, that's to Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, 14 days away when most of you hear this message for Resurrection Sunday, as we call it. We're hoping to be open, but we have an acrostic, what we can do for the next two weeks left of these uh, days left of this uh, Awake to Victory uh, campaign, if you want to call it that. I've used the acrostic for the word awake. The psalmist says, or rather Romans 13 says, in that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation, our deliverance, rather, nearer than when we believed. And so uh, we want to, in the next two weeks, I want to encourage you to, first of all, A, acknowledge the Lord every day. Every day, have daily devotions every day, have daily Bible reading every day, have daily prayer. Then I want you to encourage you to work proactively. And I mean by that, be, be industrious now, be forward planning, be conscious in, of helping others. And so work proactively, not reactively. We're reacting to so many news items today and, and work proactively, uh, not being fill, filled with fear as it's the case of many. We, we are better than that. We have a savior and so we are courageous in the midst of uh, this virus. So A, acknowledge the Lord every day. W, work proactively. A, assemble together. It's kind of ironic. I'm preaching to an audience of four this, this afternoon, and uh, the church at building is empty except for there are technicians. Thank you, Tim Butler, and thank you, Dustin Fender. But uh, assemble together. Continue no, three things underneath that, just for the record. I want to encourage you to continue your social distancing, have clean hands, of course, and uh, then continue church social media. The, the, our world's been turned upside down, and for the first time in my life, I'm doing something I've never done before. This is my fourth time, I think, on so-called the web, and so we're, this is new territory for us, but we're reaching people that we've never reached before, and uh, we have virtual church going on. Of course, this will be on our YouTube site and our Facebook site as well. Thank you again our tech, to our technicians. So continue church social media, and then continue connecting individually. We have our cell phones. We have texting ability. We have uh, our neighbors that we can talk to, shout across the, the yard together and uh, uh, be connected with people. But letter K of our awake acrostic is know that God is in control. In his time, this too shall pass. Praise him in blessing and in loss. And know in the end that we have the victory. And then lastly, and then this is 14 days away now, 15 days from right now actually, but empty the tomb, the house that is, empty your tomb, and come to church for a quarantining service as we're calling it, a new word that's been coined in the last couple of weeks, not original to me, but uh, we're going to invite people to come to drive-in church and uh, have drive-in service on Easter, Easter Resurrection Sunday, two weeks from away. We also look forward to having a 6 a.m. Very distance, distance conscious uh, 
Easter sunrise service up at our pavilion, up at our tabernacle, and so I encourage you about that. And so that's our acrostic for the next 14 days. Awake. Acknowledge the Lord every day. Work proactively. Assemble together. Know that God is in control. And 15 days from now, empty the tomb, your house, and come to church on April 12th, Resurrection Sunday. With that said, I want to continue our series of messages. This is our fifth week. I developed this series of messages, for the record, seven, eight weeks ago before coronavirus was even on the radar screen. And we preached four weeks ago on the Blessed Man Psalm, Psalm 1. We preached three weeks ago on Psalm 19, the World and the Word Psalm. We preached on Psalm 23, the Good Shepherd Psalm, two weeks ago. And then last Sunday, by way of internet, we preached on the Psalm of Hope, which is Psalm 27. Psalm 51 is David's penitential psalm, psalm of confession along with Psalm 32. Our text this morning is from Psalm 51. I'd like to read the entire psalm. It's 19 verses. And so follow along with me. Maybe open your Bible and read it with me together as we read all the 19 verses of Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part from thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou desirest, thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings, and with whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. The text verse would be verse number 10 of Psalm 51. The Bible says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. I think most of us know the occasion of David's writing of this psalm 
It was with his great transgression of his sin with Bathsheba, that of adultery, that of murder, and then even of mass murder, and then of covering up his sin until he was, the prophet Nathan came and identified and said to David, thou art the man. And David confessed his sin. We find the story in 2 Corinthians or 2 Samuel chapter 12 verses, chapter 12 and verses, chapter 13, excuse me. But David's, this account here in Psalm 51 is David's personal confession of his sin. And Christian, I don't know about you, but I thank God for 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so there's a personal confession of sins, and we see this in this text here, and this can be applicable to anyone listening to this, this broadcast here, this sermon. If you're a child of God, God can forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness and restore unto you the joy of your salvation. But I can't help but feel before we begin in the message proper, as I call it, of our need as a country for corporate or national confession of sins, transgressions for our country's present condition. I hear a lot of politicians and a lot of people, a lot of people in the medical field, of course, just decrying what we need to be doing and stating and making opinions and so forth and all concerned about having clean hands and so forth. And I'm all for that. Don't misunderstand me. I thank God for good leadership and I thank God for good doctors and nurses and healthcare workers. I thank God for all of those things. But our great need of the hour is not so much clean hands, although let's keep our hands clean and let's keep our distancing. Our great need of the hour is for a clean heart, for a clean country. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people who put their trust in him. God blesses the nation. We ask God to bless America. May America bless God. And I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 14, which is familiar to many a Christian. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Boy, we need some healing in America today, don't we? I didn't hear any amens, by the way, but uh, <laughs> you can amen at home, I hope. But I want to give you the message this morning. I want to individualize this now back to the text and back to Psalm 51. I want to note the process of confession and cleansing. The process of confession and cleansing, or in other words, what should we be our response when God calls us out regarding our sin? I want to remind you that David hid his sin for a number of months. That David, the man of God, the man after God's own heart, that he committed his adultery of Bathsheba and tried to cover it up by the murder of his, her husband, Uriah. Many know the story. And then many other men had to die for, because of David's cover-up of his sin. And it wasn't until the prophet Nathan came and pointed his bony finger at David's face and said, Thou art the man, that David came clean with his sin. Sometimes God has to point his finger at us and, and, and before we were able to come out of the closet, so to speak, and confess our sins. Sometimes we have to be confronted with our sins. I want you to consider the sin in your heart and life today, maybe the hidden sin, maybe the overt sin. I don't know what it is, but sin that separates us from our God. And I want to give you the process of confession and cleansing this morning. Starting in verse number one, we have a seven-point outline. And I want you to notice verse number one as we begin. The first process of confession is that of, and cleansing is that of 
acknowledging our sin. Our sin must be confessed. It must be confessed. The psalmist said, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Our sins are forgiven by his loving kindness, not by our good works or good deeds, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he has saved us, the Bible says. We can't clean up our act. We need to confess our sins. David couldn't turn around and just do right and have his sin cleansed. He had to confess his sin. He asked the Lord in verse number two, I believe with tears. He said, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity. Wash me, purge me from my sin, and cleanse me from my transgressions, from my sin. He went on and said in verse number three, for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. You know, I want to remind us that in Proverbs 15, the Bible tells us that the, Lord, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. The Lord sees our sin even afar off. He sees our sin in the darkness. He knows our sin. He, he's waiting for us to come and confess our sins to him. And he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. David acknowledged his sin. He asked to be washed. Verse number four. He identified who he sinned against. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. Now David sinned against a lot of people. He sinned against Bathsheba. He sinned against Uriah. He sinned against those soldiers that he brought into battle to, that were killed at the the walls there of battling the Philistines just to, so Uriah could be killed, the Hittites. So he sinned against a lot of people, but he knew who he sinned against first and foremost. He sinned against the Lord. And, mister, I want you to know when you sin, you sin against the Lord. You may sin against your wife, but you sin against the Lord. Ma'am, when you sin against your children or against somebody else, you sin against not just your children, but you sin against the Lord. Children, when you disobey your parents, you sin against your parents, but you, dis- you sin against the Lord. Sin must be confessed, first of all, to the Lord. And how important that is. And he goes on to say, verse 4, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. God is the, the creator. He's the author. And we're, we sin against him in first and foremost. Sin is a sin against our creator, our maker, our master, our God. And so in this process of confession, David admitted his sin against other people, but he admitted his sin mostly to, first and foremost, to his God against him and him only. He said, did I sin? Sin must be confessed. There are some people that don't believe in sin. They believe it's a religious idea. And it's, 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 it's part of religiosity or part of uh, uh, archaic fundamentalism or, or it's, it's something that uh, preachers guilt people in. But sin is real. The holy God died for sin. So sin must be confessed. But verses 5 and 6, in this process of confession and cleansing, not only sin must, be, must sin be confessed, but secondly, self is discovered. David said, verse number 5, For I acknowledge my transgressions. David said, I know who I am. And my sin is ever before me. David said, I'm a sinner. I know who I'm, I know what I am. He said in verse number six, Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Quit lying to yourself and to 
trying to lie to God. God knows who you are, and you know who you are. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible, Bible tells us that we're all sinners. We're depraved, we're sinful, we're lost. We're, we're in a condition of guilt and sin that we've sinned against our maker and against our creator God. Verse six says, the latter part of the verse, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. We, David was acknowledging and he said, I need to confess and understand who I am. I'm a depraved sinner. Romans chapter seven, verse 18 says, for I know that that is in me, that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. We're, we're sinners of God, we're aliens of the commonwealth of Israel, we're transgressors. Jeremiah said it this way in Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things, who can know it? There are many today in this world of psychology, in the world of psychiatry, in the world of academia that teach that sin is not real, but sin is real. And they, there's a philosophy that there's the goodness of man. Well, there is the brotherhood of man for sure. We're all created of God. But the Bible says, for all of sin and come short of the glory of God, there is none righteous, no, not one. We've all gone astray. We've become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. We're, we're, sinner, we're sinners. Without God, we're capable of doing anything uh, of, of devilish sort for sure. We can devolve into mischief so quickly. This world is uh, case evidence to the point in so many thousands of different ways, even this hour and this day, of people that are just self-absorbed in self-sin and self-pity and self-congratulations um, and so forth. They, they, they have no concept of who God is. They deny, and the world revolves around them, me, myself, and I. But David, in his process of confession and cleansing, he began by confessing his sin. Sin must be confessed. Self is discovered. David said, I'm wrong. I'm sinful. I'm depraved. I, I was a sinner. I did, he didn't sugarcoat his sin like Saul did. But verses 7 to 10, in this third-fold process of confession and cleansing, I want you to notice that a sacrifice is required. The Bible says almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sins, in other words. Psalm, 7, Psalm 51, verse 7. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear the joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. A sacrifice must be required. The Bible says, purge me from my transgressions. The songwriter said this way, what can wash away my sin? The answer is nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's not possible, Hebrews tells us, for the blood of bulls and of goats to wash away sin. There are still religions to this day that are trying to atone for their sins and, and by other than the blood of Jesus Christ. There are those that think that they can kill an animal by sticking a knife up into its gullet, into its throat and twisting. And by the way, they get hell out meat from that, in case you're wondering. And uh, they must suffer. The animal must suffer. The Jews killed millions of animals during the Old Testament era, thinking that they could wash away their sins, but... 
The only thing that can wash away your sins, the Bible says, see, it's not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin, but by the precious blood of Christ. A sacrifice had to be made. David, like Job of old, I believe David understood, like Job of old, that I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand upon the latter day upon the mount, and I shall see him. David trusted in a future Messiah, a coming Messiah. I don't know if, how much he saw through a glass darkly, of course, but he realized that his sins needed to be atoned for. And sacrifice is required to have your, and we can't have a, offer a sacrifice ourselves. Our sacrifices are dirty. All our righteousness are as filthy rags. We can't atone for our sins ourselves. Man, that's religion. It's all wrapped up in the word do. What can I do to inherit eternal life? Salvation is all wrapped up in the word done. Jesus said it is finished. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. And so this confession of sins and cleansing comes from, first of all, confessing that we are a sinner to begin with. Sins must be confessed. Self is discovered. We realize that we're sinful and we're under, depraved and we're, there's no hope outside of, no help outside of God Almighty. A sacrifice is required and that sacrifice is the blood of Jesus Christ. But verses 11 and 12, please. The fourth point, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Now, it would be remiss of me if I did not insert this into the message. This is Old Testament, and I just want you to know that a child of God, we, in the New Testament, we are sealed by the Spirit of promise. We are, we are held in the Father's hand, we are in the, the Son's hand, and we're sealed to, to the day of redemption. We cannot lose the Spirit of God, but we can quench, we can grieve the Spirit of God. We can uh, have that light go almost out, if you will, but we cannot lose His Spirit. We can quench Him or grieve Him again, but I want you to notice, fourthly, in this process of confession and cleansing, the Spirit is restored. When we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Spirit is restored. Sin destroys, but grace restores. And he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I, when I sinned against my parents as a kid, I want you to know I'd sinned against them many times. And it's none of you, you say, what did you do, preacher? It's none of your business. So there. <laughs> but I sinned against my mom and dad many, many times growing up. And I didn't obey them like I should have. I was overall a pretty good kid. I like to think I was a real good kid, but I still sinned. But they never lost their love for me, even when I did sin. We don't lose our love of God. We don't lose God's love if you're a child of God, if you've been born again and saved. But we can lose the power of his spirit, the presence of the feeling of the presence of his spirit. And we can quench his spirit again. Verse 12 says this, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. And that's what we're talking about today, about being restored with the joy of salvation. I may be talking to some folks by way of internet that are, you were saved many years ago, maybe a year ago, maybe 20 years ago, maybe 30 years ago, but you've walked away from the Lord. And you're not walking in spirit power and in holiness and fellowshipping with God's saints and living like a Christian ought to live. You lost the joy of your salvation. You can have it restored by confession of your sins by recognition of your discovery of yourself again, by pleading the blood of Christ and, and asking the Spirit to be restored. But then, fifthly, verse 13, then, then, verse 13, after sin is confessed, 
after self is discovered, after a sacrifice required, the spirit is restored, then, notice, will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Notice number five. Service again is possible. Service again is possible. We can begin to serve the Lord. There's a principle of biblical discipleship. Worship comes before service. No one has the right to serve that doesn't worship God first. So we, we, we get right with God. If I regard iniquity in my heart, Psalm 66, 18, the Lord will not hear me. We cannot do the work of God with sin, unconfessed sin in our life. Service, again, is possible when we confess our sins. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness, and we're able to teach sinners again in the way. I may be a pastor, I may be a preacher, but I'm not worthy in and of myself to teach anybody the gospel, the word of God. Only by his cleansing and by his power. I can give words, but the Spirit gives unction. The Spirit gives, gives uh, conviction. And he can use me in his service if I'll yield myself to him and cleanse, plead the blood of Christ in my own life. And you, God can use you again to teach sinners uh, the way of the Lord. And in this time of COVID, co, coronavirus, what an opportunity. Our church is being forced to go outside the four walls. I'm preaching to an empty auditorium this, this afternoon. There's nobody here but just our technicians again, four people. God's called us to go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. One day the church of God will be opened up again soon, hopefully. But until then, God's called us to go out and go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and be, be witnesses of him. And so service again is possible. Verse number 14, I must hurry. The Bible says, Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue, get it now, shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. The sixth process of confession and cleansing is that, is that a song is recovered. A song is recovered. This book of Psalms is a song book. These were sung by the Hebrews. Uh, he's put a new song in my heart. Even praise to our God, many shall hear it and shall trust and shall fear, and fear the Lord. And shall trust in the Lord, rather. Job said, Where is God my maker, whom giveth me songs in the night? Christians sing. Christians have a song in their heart. I've learned this is free. I've done several hundred funerals in my lifetime, and I've learned to, when I have a crowd of unregenerated people, I've learned not to sing because people that don't know Christ as their Savior, people that have not been redeemed, they don't have a song in their heart. They don't sing. But when I have a Christian funeral, I know that I can encourage the congregation to sing because there's put a new song in my heart. Even praise to our God, many shall hear it and shall fear and shall trust in the Lord. There's a new song in my heart. When we get to heaven, we'll sing a new song, the Bible says. A song is recovered. There's joy. You can't help but sing. I can't sing. You all know that. <laughs> but I can sing because Christ is in me, the hope of glory. And he's put a new song in my heart. And that leads me to verses 18 and 19. In this process of confession and cleansing, number one, sin must be confessed. Self is always discovered. And we say as... Paul said in Romans 7, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this flesh? Thirdly, a sacrifice is required. What can wash away my sins? The answer is nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
The spirit is restored. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Take not thy spirit from me. Service again is possible. A song is recovered. But lastly, verses 18 and 19 of our text. Notice verse number 19. Thou shalt be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Notice, seventhly, finally, salvation or cleansing is complete. You see, we are saved. David was a man after God's own heart, but he strayed from God and he sinned and sin shut him off from the blessings of God and from being used of God in service of God. But we are saved to serve. I may be speaking to somebody on the internet this, this day or tomorrow or whenever you see this broadcast. And one day you serve the Lord, but you quit serving God. And you're a child of God, and you've been born again. You've been saved. You've been blood-bought and blood-washed. But you've walked away from the Lord. And he's not walked away from you. And I want you to know that there is deliverance, and God has called us to, he saved us to serve him. Get back on the servant list. Get back on the, the, the bond servant of Jesus Christ role. And say, I'm going to serve you with all my heart. You know, men in this world, in our politicians, see, there's no sense of sin with them. Everything is about justice. Everybody, everything is about having rights. Everything is, I deserve this, I deserve that. We're going to have $2 trillion of government bailout money, and it's going to go to homes all across America and so forth. And I'm, don't misunderstand me, I'm thankful for that. But there's going to be some people that say, I should have got more. I deserve more. I'm, I'm worse off than my neighbor is. I'm worse off and we're going to have a lot of bickering and fighting and so forth. I want you to know that we don't deserve anything. We just deserve the judgment of God, the, the, not, not, not his mercy. But men don't have a sense of sin. Just, they just talk of justice. But when God touches the conscience and we see the need for the Savior, we talk of mercy. Oh, Mercy. His mercy endureth forever. To think that God would cleanse a wicked sinner like me is an amazing thing. I once was lost. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Oh, thank God for his mercy that endures forever to the child of God. We can have his mercy today. We can cleanse our sins and confess our sins and ask God to forgive us our sins and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so my prayer this afternoon is, create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David's wonderful penitential psalm that can be applied to you and me. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you might bless, Lord, in this message, Lord, in this, these words that have been said. Dear God, have your will and way in a heart and life. Lord, maybe somewhere far away from Connecticut, maybe in a, another state from here that watches this online. Lord, thank you that we can have cleansing of heart. Thank you for the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who is able to save us from all of our sins. If we'll confess him as our Lord and Savior. If we'll believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and forsake all and Come to Jesus Christ alone to save us. You will save us, Lord. We thank you for that. Lord, have your will and way in our midst, we pray. And Lord, bless, uh, we pray, with 
maybe an individual Christian, Lord, that needs to have confession of sins even right now, bless them this day. Lord, I know you'll cleanse them if they come to you with a pure heart, with a, with a, a, a guilty heart that, Lord, admits their sin. Lord, you'll cleanse them and remove all unstain and unrighteousness from them, Lord, and make them wash them whiter than snow. Oh, we thank you so much for that. Thank you for your wonderful word, dear God. Lord, thank you for this wonderful psalm, and Lord, may we apply it to our hearts and lives this day, we pray, and I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Before you go, I just want to tell you again, this is probably being seen by most of you on March 29th, two weeks before Resurrection Sunday. Our calendar is fluid. In other words, it's subject to change, Lord willing. I mean, it looks like we'll be doing Facebook Live for our Wednesday night midweek prayer service at 7 p.m. on this coming Wednesday. And then Sunday, next Sunday is rest, or Palm Sunday, rather. And we'll probably have internet or virtual church again, obviously. We won't be meeting. And, uh, but we look forward to two weeks from today. By the grace of God, we're going to have a quarantining service. That means come in your car, stay in your car, pull on up to the upper level parking lot, and we're going to have an outdoor preach, uh, preaching service by way of FM transmitter. Uh, radio is the plan. And you'll be able to listen to the confines of your car with your family and, uh, or maybe a friend in the back seat of your car. <laughs> and uh, we'll have a driving church, first time ever. There's a first time for everything, I guess. And we're going to have a first time service on Easter Resurrection Sunday. Also, we're planning on that, on that day to have a 6 a.m. first time ever Easter sunrise service at 6 a.m. up in the Tabernacle Pavilion. So we look forward to that. God bless you, and we'll be in touch with you in the coming days. You have a wonderful day.